Hello and welcome to this all-new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. I am producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley. And very quickly before we get into the episode, I just wanted to mention as always that Poetry Spoken Here is produced by Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated, a small digital production company making podcasts about poetry, literature, and cultural history. You can find out more about Poetry Spoken Here and all of the other Cardboard Box Productions podcasts at cardboardboxproductionsinc.com. And, most excitingly, Cardboard Box Productions also has a newsletter called Unboxed that you can subscribe to, and that's a great place to get more information about the poets and writers featured on Poetry Spoken Here, and the people, poems, and subjects featured on all of the other Cardboard Box shows. So again, that's the newsletter Unboxed that you can subscribe to from CardboardBoxProductionsInc.com. On with the show! I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Kalisa Ray from North Carolina. She is affiliated with the world of SLAM as well as having her uh, MFA. In fact, her master's thesis was called Outside the Canon, Poetry as Protest, which I'm interested to learn more about. She also had a chapbook a while back called Real Girls Have Real Problems. And what we're most interested in today is her new book, just a few weeks out, Ghost in the Black Girl's Throat from Red Hen Press. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Let, let's start. I mentioned this and you said you were interested in uh, in remembering and going back and talking about <laughs> poetry as protest. Outside oh, yeah. Canon. Uh-huh. What's, what's yeah. the story with that? So I, um, I was just talking to a friend about this, how I really, really put a lot of work into my master's thesis and it got so much praise um, that the university is looking into having that published separately um, by a university press. And so what I did with my master's thesis is I was dedicated to talk about the legacy and the history of um, oration and spoken word and how that is a long standing tradition in the BIPOC and the black community. Uh, recently, I wrote an essay all about this for Lit Hub that you can look up um, and it's called Black Voices and the Black Southern Oral Tradition. Um, and so in my master's thesis, I do a deep dive into the appreciation of griots and storytellers and that that's how we started with spoken word that's how spoken word got its start you know the the indigenous people the african people and the indigenous native people we were the first ever storytellers and so i talk about how you know it's ancestral for me to be a storyteller and for me to be a spoken word artist and to read my work because I come from, you know, centuries of past ancestors that read their work. And then I go into the fact about how, you know, the English language is oppressive and has been for people of color for so long. And many times spoken word artists are not looked at like we are artists. People don't consider us craftsmen. We're not considered elite or educated. And so I talk in the, the thesis all about the history of why that's a tool of oppression to tell spoken word artists or to, to tell a slam artist that they're not astute uh, and they can't be a, a master over their craft. And then I list 
you know, famous uh, poets that have proven that wrong. You know, Patricia Smith, Denez Smith, Clint Smith, <laughs> Elizabeth Acevedo, Franny Choi, all these names, Jessica Caremore, all these people that we know, Mahogany Brown, all these people that are masters, famous masters of their craft that teach, you know, they teach, but they, they grew up in the legacy of oral tradition. And so that's really what my master's thesis was about. I interviewed over 25 BIPOC performers for my master's thesis. I went like above and beyond uh, in research and digging into history. So yeah, yeah. That's really, that, that's just really great. Yeah, the, the, the people who do it the best, what can you say? It's, exactly. it's, 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 it's a foolish split. And the other unfortunate things I, I think I detect that still a lot of people don't really know what the slam is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, I, I get, it's like people who think haiku is 17 syllables. It drives me crazy because <laughs> come on, this, you're, you're, they set up something and argue against that, yep. not the reality yes. of it. And right. obviously the best people out of the slams, they've got everything going for them because you can, you enjoy listening to them. And they right. can write wonderful poems. Exactly. So it's it's a, yeah. it's a great background for a person to have. Speaking of that, sure. you, you run a, a poetry series, I think. I do. I uh, do. Mention that. Maybe some people yeah. on that. For sure. For sure. So I run and have run um, different, you know, women-centered or femme-centered poetry series for a long time. Since I, since I got out of college um, in like 2010, I've run um, poetry series, but my newest series was started with the phenomenal, phenomenal uh, poet. She's only 16. She's a prodigy that has won all these uh, lustrous awards. Uh, but Gaia Ray Sean um, is a pretty, pretty famous child poet. Um, and we connected um, over mutual friends online, um, Patricia Smith and several other people gave her name to me. And so we started this, um, series called women of color speak, because we were noticing that there were so many BIPOC poets that never were reading, uh, at these, you know, literary magazines or weren't getting called by universities to do readings or speaking gigs. And so we were like, why don't we find, you know, hundreds of, of BIPOC women poets that are amazing and why don't we just we create a platform for them so we started it and you know we got calls from claudia rankin who i'm cheating because that was my professor but patricia smith and claudia and ada and you know samita shakaborty and all these just huge names and amy um Nakabam and all these people that are like huge, huge writers that are like yeah we'll read for women of color speak and we were blown away by the amount that's of just super. top tier names that wanted to read for us. So yeah, that's our series. And it happens every second Saturday, except for, you know, I'm on a book tour, so we've taken a break, but it's every second Saturday. So yeah. Second Saturday and people find you by. They can just go, we have a web. It's so uh, women of color speak. So we do the high, the abbreviated, which is okay. W O C speak.com. They can Great. look on every single social media site and we're there. Super. So yeah. That's fabulous. Yeah. yeah, it's a way to do it. If it doesn't exist, just make it happen. That's it. And now the other thing you do while we're just doing projects, sure, you have a bookstore of some sort. 
<laughs> what is that not about? anymore oh, not anymore okay. but i can tell you all about it i can tell you all about it because it's uh <laughs> it was a, a big deal that we started that so like i said throughout the the course of my education i've always like started a nonprofit out of college i don't know i think I, i'm my mother's child they my parents both own businesses so i i've started a nonprofit when i've gotten out of college every time so back in 2011, when I graduated, I started a nonprofit in Greensboro, North Carolina called Poet She. And then when I graduated from Queens University in 2017, I was approached by a younger graduate of UNC Wilmington who asked me to start a nonprofit with her. And so she wanted to start something called Athenian Press, which would be a publishing house. It would be a bookstore and a resource center primarily for women identified folks and folks in the queer community to celebrate underrepresented voices because nothing like that exists in North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina specifically. So we started that actually before I graduated in 2016, we ran that for two years uh, and then I got married and I moved away and she's still running it. Um, and then the hurricane destroyed our building, but uh, she's still running the nonprofit. It's still going strong. And it was phenomenal. We did like groundbreaking wor work. We raised upwards of like $60,000 on a Kickstarter to open our, our brick and mortar. Uh, and we ran our bookstore and our resource center and did events and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Yeah. That's great. I like to hear this. And I'd just like you to, just to be saying it because somebody out there might yeah. say, hey, I could do that in my town. Mm -hmm. You just never know. So exactly. anyway, so thanks for that little... Of background course. on those projects. Of now, course. how about, um, let's get to some poetry here. Sure. How Excellent. About, Excellent. Know, you said you'd even be willing to read the title poem. I can do that. I can, uh, you want me to read Ghost and Black Girl's Throat? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to read the title piece from Ghost and a Black Girl's Throat, which is, of course, the debut forthcoming uh, full-length collection of mine from Red Hen. Um, the only background story that you need to know about this piece is I am not originally from the South, which is what the whole book is about. It's about me uh, being a transplant from Gary, Indiana to Wilmington, North Carolina, and then learning about the history of 1898 race massacre that occurred in Wilmington, North Carolina, the first and only coup de, successful coup d'etat. Uh, and so if you know anything about that, you got to look it up. It's a part of our history, the killing of hundreds of Black people, uh, then exterminating of them from that town. And so that was very traumatic. Imagine me as a 17, 18 year old learning about that, thinking I was going to go and have fun and party in college. And then I learned I'm feeling weird and everybody keeps saying the town is haunted and I ask them why and they tell me this story. So mm. here's Ghost in a Black Girl's Throat. The South will birth a new kind of haunting in your Black girlness. Your Black womanness becomes a poached confection. Honeyed enigma pledging to be allegiant. The muddied silk robe waving in their amber grains of bigotry. Your skin, a rhetorical question, blood-stained equation no one wants to answer. You will be the umber, tawny, terracotta tongue splattered on their American flag, beautiful brown-spangled anthem. You will be the bended knee in the boot of their American dream, and they will stitch your mouth the color of patriarchy. Call it Black girl magic when you rip the seams. Southern Belle is just another way to say stayed in her place on the right side of the pedestal and your sun-kissed skin will get caught in a crosshair of questions like, where are you from? No, where are you really from? 
And you will get asked where you from more than you are asked, how are you doing? Like this name, this tongue, this hair, ain't a tapestry of things they made you forget. The continent they forced to the back of your throat, cause that's what they will come for first the throat. They know that be your superpower, your furnace of rebellion. So they silence you before the coal burns, resurrect monuments of ghosts on your street to keep you from ever looking up, build a liquor store on every corner so you don't notice the curated segregation, call it redistricting. Our cities muzzle the men with gallows for tongues, call it obedience school. Synthesize ghettos, graffiti them in gold, call it urban redevelopment. And the South will make bitch a sweet exaggeration of your name, sit, speak, come when spoken to. And the leash will always be taught, gripping around a word you never said, your body an apparition, hologram of its former self. Too much magic in one room turns sorcery, witchcraft, and we be witches, don't we? Reassembling the chandelier of our reflection, we spin a web of shade and make it a place to rest under broad oak that it is, and they will suck the mucus from our jubilation, our gatherings now a cancer, but we clap back with shaking hands because that's all we got. These voices, these throats, this righteous indignation, and they will start with the muzzle, always taught to melt the metallic of our wills, always a rusted bit in the mouth of the horse, too stubborn to ever be spooked by their ghosts. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. And of course, you present it so well. <laughs> Thanks. All that practice on stage comes through. Beautiful. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's another poem in there that it sounded like it was before going to the South explicitly. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of things. It was like, the South will do this to you. So I have a poem in here about um, when I first arrived to Mm. the South called 10 Reasons the South Will Never Be Home. And then I changed it to Southern Foreclosures. Um, And it talks. I don't know if that's it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, But the does it start long back roads still rattle me? Yeah. Is that it? Let me know if you want me to read that one. I don't know. You you have things you want to read. I don't want to tell you what to do. I wanted to point out the title poem because I thought it's good for people to hear that. It's yeah, it's an impressive poem, and it leads into the book, and, and you know, it leads into to lots of things. So yeah, let's um, let's we can do, switch gears a little bit. Yeah, I'll tell you, sure. Southern Foreclosures is a little heavy, so let's switch okay. gears just a sure. little bit. Um, I know that you mentioned that you really like uh, buzzwords and band books, and I'll tell you that um, that section. So my book is separated into sections of elemental elements. We talk about ghosts and spirit. And so spirit and fire and wind and water and um, the section of the book that I talk about, like our history. So, you know, you've got mermaids and ghost ships about, you know, the slave ships they found at the Natural African-American History Museum. And you've got Mahalia Sings to Freedom about Harriet Tubman. And then you've got buzzwords and band books. And I thought that that was so interesting because people often don't bring that poem up. It is a history lesson, if you will. Um, and I, I read... Um, poetry at an event where Alice Walker was. And so that's actually the, yeah, she came. I've been blessed to have all of my poetry heroes, almost, well, women, black women, poetry heroes come to Wilmington, North Carolina or whatever school that I was at. And so Alice Walker just so happened to be in Wilmington. And so I would love to read buzzwords and band books because 
Um, that poem is really special. That and and its sister it has a sister poem in the book. Um, so if you want, I can I can read Bud's fabulous. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, I, I love it that you're in the heritage. Yes. You know? Okay, let's do it. And yeah. Buzzed words and bandit books. I learned them on the page first. Fell apart and reassembled notions of suicide. Held brilliant pain beloved in the hands of a mother saving her baby from slavery. Felt the throb of each purple bruise on Miss Seeley's back blister and turn blue. Heard the silence that consumes a man proving black boys are invisible still. New cage birds would sing their way to freedom as long as their eyes were stayed on him. Prayed Pacola would discover the beauty that stretches beyond her skin. Learned compassion in the greatest lesson before dying and all that lies within. And yet we still omit these stories. Blackout pages, broken fragments in a forgotten land. We should cement these words in history, not conceal truths and label them banned. What I know is there are still children who haven't heard Maya's name, haven't viewed God through the eyes of Zora, haven't heard her bitter, twisted refrain, haven't wailed on the mount with Baldwin or spoke of divergent dreams with Lorraine, haven't read the history of immortal generations or discovered explicit, implicable truths with right, unlocked freedoms with Alexander or saw Claude turn ghettos to promised lands at night. Some children still don't know the fiery passions of Malcolm, the beauty of native sun, and they will never know where they're headed until they see all the immaculate places they've come from. Ah, I love that piece. Ooh, I do too. I, I just, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, sometimes you're in a used bookstore and you're at a certain shelf and it's like old home week. Yeah. And I love that always familiar, you know, names and, you know, specific titles. Yes. Uh, just flashing on them is just, I love to do that. <laughs> and as <laughs> I mentioned do. to you, I think Richard Wright is like off the, totally off the top. The best. Native the son particularly. Best. Just outrageous. Yes. Anybody who hasn't read that, go read it. <laughs> yes. That's a must. That's a must read. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. You have something else you want to read that people usually don't ask for? <laughs> you know what? I, like, that's you why. Know? I like asking people what they like because, you know, yeah, I was no. telling, just telling a, a, a friend in an interview that I always get used to reading the same poems over and over again and people kind of latch onto the same poems. Yeah. And I'm always like, hey, let's, let's, let's freshen it up. Let's read something new. <laughs> um, was there another poem you wanted to hear? The, I think the other two I picked are out of the uh, overly intense category. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> no, there's the one about showing wounds. Which attracts guys Ooh. who want to cure you. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. That's a good one. Let's, that's a very yeah. interesting, it's an interesting notion. You know, I, <laughs> I think the scenario is often put out that it's uh, the guy who screwed up and the woman thinks she's going to fix him. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're going to get together yeah. and she thinks she's going to fix him. But this is interesting because it's a bit of a role reversal is suggested on yes, that particular thing. Yeah, I love that. You're talking about Into the Woods. 
That's it. Yeah, it's yeah. called Into the Woods. Yeah, this is a role reversal. That's such a cool way of looking at it. I love that because, yeah, I was, you know, I talk in this section about how I don't think the matriarchs prepared me for college well because they didn't tell me that there were a ton of guys that were going to try to just like come to my beck and call and save me because they felt like I was weak. And then they got a rude awakening when they learned that I was not weak at all. Um, so we can, yeah, we can definitely read Super. Into, the <laughs> into the woods. I must have wandered into the woods with open palms, stitching, gushing my 20 year old something wounds advertising there has been broken here. All my scar tissue, a magnet for men obsessed with mending boys that respond to women's cries like an invitation to console and fill me with delusions of grandeur. I was the project of wannabe martyrs that bore the cross of a thief, saviors that got drunk off the wine of women's wailing vulnerability, collecting tears like notches, sonic ears tuned to only the pitch of damsel in distress. Cause what's a hero without the conquest and crumbling? In this script, he is the lifeguard and I the drowning thing he comes running to on steed to tower window in hopes of being declared a knight. When most knights are dogs in wolves clothing and most dogs are desperate searching for scraps. The test is how fast he arrives at the scene of the burning building, how quickly he pries his claws from around the neck of the red riding woman. But what he doesn't know is I store a collection of knives in the pocket of my bruised and fractured frame. Train in the skill of bullshit daggers. Perfect my archery for he who thinks my body is made of straw. And all my mouths have compasses. All my hearts have bow and arrows. And I use Prince Charmin's cheating ass for target practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that poem is even better than I remembered it was. <laughs> Maybe it's your presentation. I think that that's a good part of it. Wow. Yeah. Well, we've uh, we've got time for one more. I think you're going to have to pick that one, though. Okay. Okay. That um, whatever you want to. What do. do we want? What kind of note do we want to end on? Ooh. Any like topic that we didn't cover? And maybe I have a poem that covers that topic. No, that's okay. I just thought of something that you said off off mic. Oh. We were talking a little bit about the power, you know, that that spoken word has. And we didn't get, you know, into the fact that, you know, with everything that's going on in the nation, spoken word has the power to shed light, you know, on the plight of the the black woman or the black male and, and their experience with racism, oppression in America. And what came to mind was my poem, Homegoing Celebration. Um, and this was recently chosen by the poetry question to be uh, dissected for its craft. But I really think the topic is so poignant because of everything that's going on, you know, with, with gun violence and with racism and the killings of, of black folks. And, and so I would really love to read Homegoing Celebration. This was inspired actually by The Great Gatsby um, and learning about the history of The Great Gatsby. Um, and then I did some work to juxtapose The Great Gatsby with a popular rap song by Drake. I don't know if you you know it, but you know the phrase, you only live, you only live once, you know, the phrase that became so popular yeah. in, in millennial culture. Um, and so that's what I did for this poem and I'm pretty proud of it. So I would love to read it. Super, yes. Awesome. Great choice. So this is Homegoing Celebration. Not much has changed. We are still gin-soaked and headstoned, teetering on ledges to test our mortality like 
pills weren't enough to prove. No need for gold, our pockets carry lust and adrenaline like currency, so much of us addicted to drowning the screaming pain. We knock back enough to never need another flight, our nights are never over, we never want the hangover to end. We say you only live once, but being young and black with an expiration date sobers you quick. Our future is a sad summer. Sin and champagne flutes to make the blood bubbly and effervescent, inhaling so much liquor, even our offspring are tipsy. Turning our veins into a swift cemetery, we gamble with our obituaries like we don't have a thousand other ways to die, chase a good time like a needle on scratch records so we never have to feel the heartbreak of mourning. There is no mourning here, just darkness and pools of people we don't know. A song prophesying that we will die fast and die young. Thank you. All right. It's, it's <laughs> nice that your, you know, your poems have a. I once I once tried to think real hard for when you get a a quickie interview from a news person. Yeah. And they want a one liner, you know. Yeah. So my poems are personal and political. <laughs> yes. And that's yep. what I feel about yours. You know, yeah, they are. You got that the combination. It's political. the big issues and personal. Yes. No, you know, as Audrey Lord says, the personal is political. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That's it. For sure. Kalisa, it's been really great. I really enjoy getting to know you a little bit better and hearing these poems, hearing you read your poems is much better than me reading them in the book. <laughs> Though that's good too, but it's I really like hearing you read them. So uh, Thank you. so glad we could do this. And uh just want to say to the world, this is Charlie Rossiter. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here. Our guest, Kalisa Ray from North Carolina. Thank you. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Munley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.